and we are we're rolling. Eric Murphy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is the first of a, of a series of interviews with people talking about skepticism, talking about epistemology. Um, so we have here a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. <laughs> Co-host of Talk Heathen. You can find him on Murphy's Law. He's an educator. He's an activist. He's an advocate. A little bit of a sex symbol. I don't know. I, uh, Eric, I'm, I want to embarrass you a little bit. I, uh, I, I reached out to some people and asked them if you could summarize Eric Murphy in one sentence, what would you, what would you say? My favorite one came from our, our friend Jenna Belk, who said, this is a direct quote, Eric is one of the wisest people I've ever encountered, as well as the kindest and most honest. He is a leader. Oh. Eric Murphy, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm blushing. I'm, I'm, I, thank you. That is very, very sweet. Um, I'm, I'm doing great, man. Uh, when I got your message, I had seen and interacted with you in, in different ways. And, and when I saw that you were getting this going, I, I wanted to dive in. I wanted to help support you. So thank you for having me on your inaugural episode. And yeah, um, yeah dude. Uh, so tell me about kind of what you want to do with this. What's what's well, the, uh, the focus of the whole channel is, is promoting skepticism, um, is you know, trying to promote a, a well, really to, to clarify uh, misconceptions people may have about what skepticism is and how to, how to apply skepticism, differentiating between skepticism and cynicism or pessimism, uh, and talking to people a lot about, about what it means to, uh, to have sound epistemology or to be pursuing sound epistemology. So um, I wanted to ask you, as, a, as sort of a lead in here, what do you mean when you tell somebody that something is true? <laughs> uh, so I define truth as that which corresponds to reality. So if we can investigate a thing and the claim about that thing is consistent with the reality that we're in, we agree on it, we see it, um, or we, we study it, and in, in some way we find that it is positively correlated with the reality we're in, then it's true. Yeah, that, and that seems to be uh, useful to try to have a, a, a personal relationship with, with reality. Um, and I find that, that when, in talking with people about epistemology, mm -hmm. um, asking people, you know, how do you know what is true? Or even, even more touchy sometimes is asking people if they care about what is true or if their beliefs are true. Um, it, it opens up cans of worms, which oh, yeah. you've been doing on Talk Heathen uh, for a while. And uh, the reason why I wanted to bring you on uh, and sort of set a tone here with me is that I really appreciate not just what you do, but how you do it. Um, you've talked for a long time now publicly about wanting to meet people where they are, about wanting to be uh, compassionate and kind, uh, to engage in charitable listening with, with your guests. Um, what was the, the impetus for you starting with, with Talk Heathen and, and wanting to, to sort of set this, this example in your own work? Sure. Uh, well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, so I started off as a volunteer for the atheist experience at the ACA. And like the other volunteers, I wanted to eventually wind up on the atheist experience. Um, that, that group at the time was incredibly closed off. Um, not when it comes to talking to them, but as far as being a host is concerned, they had their roster locked in. Um, and so instead of waiting and pushing for that, uh, Jamie Boone, who was another call screener and a, and a friend of mine, um, he and I 
decided we were going to make a, our own call-in show. And, well, originally it wasn't going to be a call-in show. Okay, so now I'm going to get do, do yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, okay. dive in. Let's <laughs> okay, so we wanted to do a show. Uh, we'd become friends with Mark and Vern, the producer and audio engineer. Um, Vern is still the audio engineer. Um, and they had said, hey, if y'all want to do a show, we'd be happy to support that. Now, is it is it true? Does it correspond with reality that that sweet Mustang from the Talk Heathen intro is actually Vern's sweet Mustang? It was until it got into a terrible accident and got mangled. Oh, geez, I've opened the door to to past traumas. No, that's okay. <laughs> Vern walked away from it okay, um, shaken, but no no injuries really. Um, he does have an atheist mobile 2.0 okay uh, so we got a new mustang nice <laughs> nice uh so yeah absolutely and the plates actually came from anthony magnabosco uh he has those atheist plates um if you go back and watch the the license plate says atheist on it I, and i've heard i've heard a rumor that you can actually if you're really paying attention if you're <laughs> for the super to the talk heathen super fans uh that you can spot anthony in the intro it's at one point in time absolutely he helped us film it Actually, Go back and watch uh, more Talkie and friends. Go check out that intro. <laughs> so um, he, his son has a, a drone camera. And so that's how we were able to get those high up shots is he drove up from San Antonio to Austin uh, to help us film and, and took those shots with us. So it was a great time. So, so you and Jamie you get the ball rolling with Vern. Yeah, so originally we weren't going to do a, a call-in show um, because we didn't want to just copy the atheist experience. I mean, come on, what kind of biters are going to start just another call-in show? <laughs> and uh, uh, at the time, Vern said, you know, we've got this really expensive piece of equipment. There's a reason why there aren't call-in shows because these the, this equipment is only owned by radio stations that do call-in stuff. It's like five or $7,000. That's why you don't see other call-in shows. If you don't utilize this equipment, you're an idiot. And so we, okay, well, what kind of call-in show would we do? Um, so our original plan was to make Talk Heathen the first step. You know, somebody calls into the atheist experience and they talk to Matt and they say, hey, I want to talk about the Kalan cosmological argument. Matt says, I disagree with premise two. Click, let's move on to the next one. But what if you don't know the premises? Right. Okay, let's take a step back and go through and provide that primer and and try and have those arguments in a more long-form way. And then after we started talking, then yeah, we found our own personalities and we added that to it. And that's how it became the show that it is today. I'd like to segue out of that also into asking you, um, how would you describe the purpose of Murphy's Law? Sure. So <laughs> Murphy's Law... Because I, I, don't, I, I don't see other people doing these sort of like post... I see people doing like debate reviews and things, but uh, the way that you break down calls afterwards and revisit them and, you know, not just explore uh, the content a little bit more deeply, but also own up to mistakes and correct yourself uh, is not something that I see an awful lot of content creators do. Um, sure. So after, after each episode of Talk Heathen, I go back and I watch it. Um, I watch it at least once. I read comments. Um, to this day, I still do that every week, and I am harder on myself than anybody else ever will be. I say that's got to be excruciating. I can't watch my own stuff. Uh, I, I, I force myself to, and I beat myself up for the cringe. Um, <laughs> if you watch the first few episodes of Talkie, then I had this really, really nervous like <laughs> laugh, and I hated it, and I just bore myself down until I worked it out of my system. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and so you kind of. 
I don't know, you, you kind of work through it. And I always wanted to do reviewing with Jamie, but he was always really busy. And in fact, uh, V, when V moved to Austin, V wanted to review episodes of Talk Heathen, and that was one of the first things that we really kind of bonded on as friends was, you know, going over episodes of Talk Heathen. Well, how can it be better? And then, and then you know, when, when Jenna really came in, um, we were having these conversations. And so Murphy's Law really is kind of recording things that we were already doing. And so with Jenna, she wants to dive into the content. You know, what is this argument? How do we break it apart? What, what, what are the pieces, and, and, and how do we excuse me, address these claims. And so when Jenna's on with me, we go over those. With V, V usually wants to talk to me about hosting. Well, how can we be better hosts? You know, did we listen to this person? Did we railroad them? Uh, how, do we, how do we approach this uh, to give, you know, the caller uh, a good experience, to give the people who are watching, most importantly, a, a, a valuable experience, and to make sure that we are being the best hosts that we can be. Um, often when I'm admitting my own mistakes or being really hard on myself, I find that I'm doing those by, by myself. Um, I, and I, I have a hard time because I don't ever want somebody to feel attacked. You know, I want to review these things because I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I want to be the best host that I can be. And the only way I'm going to do that is to go back over what we've done. And so Murphy's Law is just sharing that with people because I would tell people, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, I, I go back over and people say, oh, my gosh, did, if I could just be a fly on the wall during that conversation. And OK, OK, let's do it. So that's kind of how Murphy's Law was born. I like it. It's interesting what you said about V because it, actually one of the things that my my partner and I first bonded over was ways that I could be better also. Um, if you were to identify, you know, how to ask this, I wanted to ask if you, if you were to identify one key feature of sound epistemology, mm-hmm. what would it be? Uh, and, and, and in a broader sense, what I'd like to explore is, is if you could may, if you could just wave a, a magic wand and just grant everyone in the world with one tool to get them closer to having sound epistemology, what would that look like? Oh my gosh. Um, well, the two-parter, the two-parter. Okay. 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 Let, let me break it down. Um, so one key piece that I really, really would love for people to internalize is that when it comes to understanding and believing something, when it comes to, that it's not binary. Uh, Mm -hmm. You are apportioning degrees of confidence to a claim. And that means that how confident you are that something is true or or, or is um, corresponding to reality can go up and it can go down. And if you do that, you're less likely to be stuck in your ways and you're more willing to evaluate evidence when it comes in. And that's that's a flexibility that I don't see a lot of people have. But if I were to wave a magic wand, if I were to fix something really, really bad... Um, we could say wave a magic wand or, or you know, have sure. the answer to a prayer, uh, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I what would, would that look like? Uh, so... I would completely shift the way religious people talk about rationality. Hmm. I would make a. I would shift it. What's the what's the speci- what's the commonality sure. that you're, you're you're focusing on? Sure. So, 
Um, if, if you were to ask somebody, um, you know, how do you know this thing? How do you how do you back up this this claim? Right. So we we've, we've got we've got this this claim X, right? Um, if you were to ask me and probably you, hey, how do you back up this claim? How, how do how do you justify this? Um, you and I will present evidence supporting the claim, and we will do our best to 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 kind of build up what the claim is. And there are a lot of Christian apologists, and this is such a meta conversation. I love how meta this is. This, I'm, I'm sorry if this goes way, way too off base. I'm happy no, to no, stop great. And, and define things. And, this is and fantastic. Build up. Okay, okay. We can always put those, those pins in there where we need to, but okay. let, it, let, it, let it roll. Okay. Um, you ask an apologist, hey, how do you justify this? Um, or how do you support this claim? Often what you get is, well, here's my justification. Here's where I'm internally consistent. Mm. And there's a problem there. It is a really, really big problem. And uh, I, can, I can kind of abstract it to make it a little easier to understand. Let's say... Um, well, it, it, let's it, say it, oh, go ahead. In, in your interview, or not your interview, but in your, in your debate uh, that you did with... Um, Oh, what's his name? David uh, Wood. David Wood. You talked about, I, I think, if I, you talk about the Harry Potter books being internally consistent, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that the, the claims themselves are, are true. Exactly. Um, this seems to be a sticking point for a lot of people. Yeah, because I, I, I can grant that somebody's internally consistent with their beliefs. I, I really, I can totally understand that. Hey, if you if you think that you live in a magical world and it all, it's all kind of sealed up, or or you believe that you're in the Matrix and it's all, you know, there are no the, no holes in it, um, that's fine. But does that map to our world? That's why yeah. it's so important. And and I think that that is where we find ourselves talking past each other today. You know, if, if, if there's going to be a big sticking point that, that finds us not really talking to each other but past each other, it's, well, here's why I'm internally justified and it's internally consistent for me. And for us, it's, um, here's the evidence supporting the claim, you know, and uh, apportion your confidence to, uh, to, to, to match the evidence for that claim. Now, do you see this as being... I there's a reason with, with, with starting this channel that I didn't want to, you know, focus specifically on religious claims because it seemed to me that the more I'm, you know, I can't turn on the news without seeing examples of people accepting all, a whole variety of, I mean, all kinds of claims about things. Um, yeah. uh, it, I, it's been sort of shocking in the last couple of years to see the rise of, of uh, a lot of conspiracy theories and people embracing them. Um, do you think that uh, I'm wondering where where the card is and where the horse is here? If the <laughs> if the bad epistemology in our highly religious society has seeped into other places, or or where the where the feedback loop you know here here ends with with people accepting claims for bad reasons? Yeah, I, I think it's because people think that they are their ideas. Ooh, and because of that, they will fight you, you know, pe there, there are people who physically become angry and want to punch you in the face yeah. for criticizing their ideas. You are not your ideas. How do I know that? Because I can change your mind about something. You can change your own mind about something, and that doesn't mean you're a different person. The person deserves respect. Ideas do not, and a lot of people will 
just be up in arms and fighting. How dare you um, talk about X, Y, or Z? This is sacrosanct, and that is definitely not just a religious thing. Um, a lot of people do. They 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 they'll hold on to this ideal, and it, you can't look at it, can't talk about it, don't touch it, don't 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 mess with it, and it's never gonna it's never gonna get you know fixed if you don't ever approach it and deal with it. Have you noticed? I mean, it seems to me that, uh, in in my own experience, in my own life, uh, <laughs> I can think of moments where someone was criticizing my idea, saying something was wrong with my position, but it felt like they were saying something was wrong with me. Yeah. This sounds to be exactly what you're what you're describing. Absolutely, um, I think. <sighs> We need to, as communicators, hold ourselves to the standard that we want to see everyone exemplify. If we just look at the worst among us and use that as, you know, well, they're they're being a, a are you, is this a uh, what's the language policy on this channel? <laughs> There's, there, we are we are wide open on language okay. here. I <laughs> that yeah. th this person's being a shithead, so that means that I I'm, I'm okay, you know, being a shithead too. Right, right. Um, we're never going to get better that way. And so what I found is affirmation helps so much and it opens so many doors. It's amazing. Uh, th there was a caller, I think two weeks ago into Talk Heathen who wanted to say that we were being dishonest. And I said, well, let's talk about what dishonesty is. You know, can you have a dishonest person? Can you have a dishonest um, approach? And by just giving him, hey, if we're looking at this this way, I understand what you're saying. Just I, you know, just that tiny little bit of affirmation. Hey, okay, now let's talk about it. But but making sure that you take the time for that affirmation keeps the door open. Yeah. Um, I had a, uh, I call it getting stuck on the monkeys. Um, <laughs> I had an argument with a friend a long time ago before Talk Heathen. Um, I had just learned about the infinite monkey hypothesis, this idea that if you take an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of typewriters and you put them in an infinitely large room, infinitely, you know, time and space, um, that they will provide you with the completed works of Shakespeare. And well, how does that work? Well, because as you approach infinity, the odds of it not happening... They shrink. Become, yeah. Yeah. And so that's just something to help you kind of uh, get your mind around infinity. And so I'm talking to my friend and I'm, I'm telling him about this. I said, you're going to wind up with the completed works of Shakespeare. He goes, no, you're not. I said, well, well, yeah, I don't think you're understanding infinity. And so we spent all night and he was just stuck in the mud about it and he would not move. And he's like, no, you won't. And I was like, that's how infinity works. Eventually... We finally got to a place where he was able to talk about what the problem was. And the problem was that while the odds of it not happening become infinitely small, it never becomes zero. There is a non-zero chance that that'll never happen. And he needed that affirmation. He needed me to say, there is a non-zero chance. If I would have said that, Who'd have been like, yeah, but obviously you're going to wind up with the completed works of Shakespeare. It's like, you motherfucker, are you serious? Did we waste all of this the entire night because you just wanted that tiny piece of affirmation? You got stuck on the monkeys so bad that you weren't willing to see the wider picture. You lost the forest for the trees. 
and like it. It, it happens so often. You have these political conversations and somebody wants to talk about BLM. Cool. They're pro they might agree with you on 99% of things. The only thing they want is a tiny piece of affirmation that you may agree with. And because, yeah. because we're not recognizing the other, even in the small ways, they're not having conversations about bigger things. And it's ridiculous. You know, take two seconds, see if there's an affirmation that you can give that's getting them stuck. And maybe you can have a productive conversation. This also seems to, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a broken record on this channel, but sure. it, it's, it, it all points back to me about pausing for a moment and questioning, how do I know what I think I know? Even if it's a judgment you're making about another person, you know, in, in these types of contexts, um, you know, if somebody presents you with an opposing viewpoint to something that you're saying and you make a snap judgment about that person, it's a great time to stop and be like, wait, wait, what am I doing? How do I, how do I know that what I just, just decided was true is actually true? Um, and it's, it's just a necessary step that, uh, I think is a, is a, is a behavior. It's a discipline. It's, it's something people should, I think, learn to do. Um, where do you see bad epistemology manifesting in the world today? Most, most obviously what, what grinds your gears? <laughs> well, so I'm going to be harder on my side than I'm going to be on anyone else. Um, I see a lot of really shitty stuff going on politically. Okay. Um, but I also find myself day to day well, the, with I'll tell you the atheists. The follow-up question here before you keep going sure. is going to be asking, where do you make mistakes? Where's bad epistemology happening in your own life? So okay. just to make sure there's a differentiation here, I just want you to know that that's, that's on the horizon. Okay, so... Give me the question one more time. I want to make sure that I'm responding to it. When you're engaging with the world, when you're out there, when you're turning on the news, when you're you know connected to social media, scrolling Twitter, where do you most obviously see failures of epistemology? Oh, sure. Um, I see people falling into the, the, the easiest thing you see all the time is fallacious reasoning. And somebody will, will say something that is fallacious and... Um, not realize it you know you can you can believe true things for bad reasons you know you can it, it could be just a matter of coincidence that you were right about something um but that that's definitely the the most common day-to-day -day thing is um people believing things for bad reasons um those reasons could be appeals to authority they could be um uh, I, I, I go back to religion because that's obviously my passion. Sure. Um, you should believe this or you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Um, that's the argument from the stick, right? It's, it's, yeah. it, it's not a good argument because it doesn't, one thing does not follow from the other. Or um, you get tons of, um, oh, you know, red herrings, people kind of moving their way off or non sequiturs, people saying things that they think logically stem from each other but they're not they're just their own statements kind of dangling off there in space without any justification or support right um yeah i <laughs> it, it's keep an eye on fallacies and remember that you're you are just as susceptible to them i remember um recognizing when i was just lurking you know i i watched mm. and listened to atheist content for seven eight years before i started getting involved and in doing stuff and um, I would say, well, that's not a real atheist. Are you gatekeeping atheism, Eric? That is the no true atheist. Are you serious?
yeah, you know, there are atheists in Sonoma who are using thinking that their, you know, crystal chakra healing, you know, bullshit is is just, you know, super real. They're atheists too. They're atheists yeah. too. That just means they're not skeptics. Quit saying they're not atheists. Right. Um I see that a lot. The, yeah, the the imprecision of language is uh it's exhausting trying to keep up with it and help it. Even with talking to people about fallacies, making these these important distinctions People think you're being pedantic if you say things like, I shouldn't generalize, but but oftentimes uh, people think you're being pedantic if you say something like, look, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying the way that you're getting there, we can't know that you're right. Yeah. It, honestly, the most success that I've had is in just trying to give examples. Hmm. Um, and, and, and that is... That, that that has been the best that I've been able to get is, you know, instead of trying to tell you, oh, this is fallacious, you know, this is a fallacy um, because people will shut right off is by going, hmm, you know, if if I if I used that reasoning, would you agree with me for X, Y or Z? Mm. You know, I use the same reasoning just in a different context. And if they go, yeah, no, that totally makes sense, then OK. Uh, then you can maybe go into the details, but most often people will be like, "No, that's ridiculous," and so yeah, from there. Well, and with with foul, like I mean, you, you you said it that that we're all susceptible to them. Um, I don't know if you've ever looked at um, there's a, a, a you know a number of great books on on this this topic of of our susceptibility to to errors in in thinking. Um, the one that I I probably learned the most from was uh, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, I wish they taught this like at the high school level, like that there was just like an intro to critical thinking and we could, you know, train high schoolers to look at fallacies like Pokemon and just go catch all of them. <laughs> right. Well, and, 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 and you know what I think the problem is, is we've got some real bad PR. We got real bad PR. You see a skeptic group and they say, oh, we're free thinkers. Fuck you. Really? I'm a free thing. That is such a... That is such a smug, like it is dripping with smug. We need better ways to describe ourselves. You know, I, I think yeah. the, the problem with the bright movement is simply that they call themselves oh, the bright that. I hate that one. I'm a bright, are you, really? With something, I, like, <laughs> with something like free thinker, I can see people, you know, thinking, that, well, this has a totally positive connotation. Who wouldn't want to be free in their no. thinking? But, no. but it's an intent versus impact problem where, you know, you can be fully intending to be like, I'm a free thinker and you're in your little thought cage over there. Wouldn't you like to be like me? <laughs> and, 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 that, and that's that is what you're communicating. You are yeah. not a free yeah. thinker. You you're dumb. I know that I'm, I'm patting myself on the back, you know, and, and then, then you get other, you know, branched off, you know, atheism plus it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> how are, how again, are we going to have those conversations if people are stuck on, God, I don't want to, you know, drip with this self-satisfied smug attitude. And that may not be it, but it's just the language that is right, around right. our movement. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, again, intent versus impact seems to be the, the, the question, um, you know, because there's an awful lot of people in, you know, movements, you know, social, political, philosophical, who, who they just want to help people. And, um, you know, labeling is important. It can it can matter uh, how you how you talk about things with people. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, when you say something like that, it's like, well, no shit. Like, that's very, very obvious. But it's something to be mindful of. Um, speaking of things to be mindful of. 
where do you see bad epistemology manifesting in your own life? Oh my where God. do you do it? Because we all do. So, <laughs> well, I want to give you where I see it day to day first and, okay. um, and then kind of where I see it in myself. Okay. Most often I see it in horrendous reductionism. Um, by other atheists because I've wound up building this community that has a whole lot of atheists in it. And so I see a whole lot of, you know, or people in the comments for Talk Heathen, you cannot find a single video where people, someone in the comments doesn't say, well, this is just a perfect example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you, are you, really? Is it? Is it? You know, or that person's just so dumb. Did yeah, you that- add something to the conversation there? Or, or, or... um Another is, uh, you know, well, I'm too smart to be a theist or uh, the Bible spelled B-U-I-B-U-L-L. It's it's just cringeworthy. Um, I understand people, you know, being frustrated and letting letting off steam. But if you think that you are being a good communicator by being that frustrated, you know, it's just... Ugh, that's where I see it most often, and it right. pisses me off. Well, and there's there's a question there of what's the goal? Is, is the goal to actually change minds? Is the goal to get people to want to embrace skepticism, or is the goal to to make yourself feeling better by you know owning in your own mind maybe you know some some stranger on the internet or making a judgment about them? Um, uh, it's tempting, uh, I get yeah. it, um, but but I think people who are part of this, you know, community of, of, of public skeptic people uh, should be very mindful about what, what our goals are and making sure that we're behaving and communicating in a way that's consistent with that goal and not feeding our own egos at the expense of that goal. You know, and not just so, just to build on that also, and, and I know that this has been a term that's been co-opted in, in really rough ways, but um, you are virtue signaling when you do that. You know, you're, 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 you're wanting to tell people, well, I'm part of the smart group and here's how I'm going to show that I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of dog whistle that we find ourselves, you know, in that if we're going to call people out on that, we need to make sure that we're not falling into the same traps. Yeah, it, it is a, it is a mistake to, uh, to think that we're the smart group when we're just as susceptible to errors in judgment as anybody yeah. else. Absolutely. Um, it especially drives me nuts when, when people will say that someone, you know, I'm not going to name the professional apologist, but there's guys out there with, you know, with PhDs and there's keyboard jockeys sitting at home being like, that guy's an idiot. It's like, that guy might be a lot of things. An idiot probably is not an accurate description <laughs> of, of what that guy is. Um, yeah. So, you know, beware the trap of being dismissive. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, problems there um but anyway and 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 for those for those keyboard warriors who are watching (laughs) please if next time you say that person's an idiot take a beat and then ask yourself why are they an idiot because you're going to add way more to the conversation if you can point out what you thought they did was idiotic 
that's mm. that's where you're adding substance because you're saying, hey, here is maybe their problem with the way that they were approaching, and here's the problem with the way they were communicating, and here's a here's a here's a fundamental issue issue with the way that they're you know reasoning this out. That is where you get actual meat on the bone. But if you're just saying that person's dumb, right? Thanks. Well, and it's just thanks, I mean, guy. And we're all. I mean, look, I know in my own life, you know, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. I'm an educated guy. But I don't have to think too hard to, to come up with an example of something dumb that I've thought, said, or done recently. So, yeah. you know, in, in being dismissive of other people as unintelligent, um, it, it, it just doesn't seem useful. But we're not going to talk about the dumb stuff that I do. In your own life, Eric. <laughs> what dumb stuff do I yeah, do? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You don't have to get like super into it. I was looking that for like something, the spot, you know, of being like, oh, I, I, there's this thing where, you know, uh, there's there's a, an example of me having a failure of of of, uh, of critical thinking, and I think this is useful, and I'm going to do this with everybody who comes on to to do yeah. an interview because we're not the smart group. We're people practicing a discipline of skepticism and trying to follow the evidence where it leads, um, but we all have the capacity for uh, for failing. Ooh, ooh, I've got one. It's something that I'm not able to reason out, and I'm challenging people. If you are watching this in the future and you are going to be a guest on, if you are a communicator, if you're not a communicator, how much are you letting pragmatism guide you? Um, because I let pragmatism guide me more often than I want, and I don't like it at all. At all. It's, um, it's, it's like saying... Um, Eric, why are you using a shovel? Oh, because it works. That's why I'm using a shovel, because it works. But Eric, we're golfing. Um, you should really use a putter. But why? This works just fine for me. I'm just going to keep using my shovel. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the pragmatic approach of, well, well, I'm just doing it because, you know, that, that, that is what gets us there. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a Band-Aid. It's using bailing wire to, to hold the car together instead of actually going into the fucking mechanic and fixing it. Um, there are uses for pragmatism, but when if you are applying pragmatism because you don't want to put critical thought into it, you're being lazy. Um, and it's just something that gets overused, and I hate it. You have no way of knowing this, but I was literally, I, 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 this is exactly what I talked to my therapist about today. In my own- <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. If people go back and watch me being oh. like super uncomfortable as Eric was just talking, because <laughs> I was just like, shit. Well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, oh, Kenneth, you are just a special brand of nerd that I adore. Yes, oh, yes, that. <laughs> because cause you, you uh, want to hold yourself up to a higher standard, you know, and, and there's right. no way that you're going to want to communicate that unless you're living it as well. And, oh, and, and, and you know what the worst part is? And the worst part of it is at the very, very bottom, you know, if you apply that skepticism all the way until you get down to the laws of logic, it's pragmatic. It is. Why do we use the laws of logic? Because they work. Right. 
Right. Why, can we get out of it? No, because we'd have to use the laws of logic to justify the laws of logic. And so it's frustrating. But that doesn't mean that that's true for the way that, so, that, that, that fucking economics works. That's, that doesn't mean sure. that that's true for the way that, that um, societies are built. And it doesn't mean it's true for the way that we treat prisoners or the way that, that we, we you know, administer justice um, you know, and, and, and build laws. No, that is not the laws of logic. We can have more conversations about it and, and, and we should be doing better. Um, it, what's interesting is you have these tent poles, right? Um, you know, you're, you're talking about epistemology. Um, if you haven't seen um, How to Skeptic, my partner, V, of course, uh, first, first, of episode, first episode did um, epistemology, ontology, axiology, right? Those are three tent poles. You pull one out, the others are going to collapse, right? Um, what is the axiom? The axiom is, is what should be? Well, I think we should try and know as many true things and as few false things as possible. Uh, quoting Matt, which I'm sure Matt is quoting someone else who's quoted someone else. It, it's So we have the axiom. We want to know true things. Um, uh, we have an axiom of we want to um, maximize human well-being. Cool. Now we need to apply epistemology. Now we need to make, you know, conclusions about what exists, the ontology of it. Um, it's... And it never ends. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And so if you're watching this and you're going, Eric, you're bringing up an epistemic problem, but you're talking about axioms, you know. Um, uh, they're related. Yeah. They're related. Please, please use them in a related way. Um, I will give you an example because I feel like we're off in La La Land a little bit, so I want to help ground us, okay? Yeah. Um, I, had an, I had an argument with somebody who changed my mind about free will. So we were arguing about free will, and the argument essentially went, hey, uh, if we don't have free will, we're just meat robots, okay? So should we hold murderers in jail as justify, you know, are we justified in holding them in jail or, or, or put, giving them the electric chair or whatever um, if they never had a choice? They're just meat robots. They're just operating out their functions. They never had a choice in what they did. And so originally, I was very pragmatic about it. I went, yeah, but effectively treating them like they have free will just makes everything easier. It just sums everything up. We can wipe our hands of it and we can, you know, move on. You know, sure, I don't believe in free will. You know, I have no justification to believe in free will. But, you know, for the purposes of justice, I'm just, we're just going to go with that. And somebody challenged me to think more about it. And they said, well, Eric, if we're just meat robots then wouldn't we want a justice system that is based on lowering recidivism rates, right? If, if you have a broken car, don't just impound it and break it down. See if you can fix it, you know, and, and, and you, you, you see that. You see societies that treat people like they don't have free will, doing really, really well. You don't have as many repeat offenders. You have more programs that are educating people, that are that are giving them life skills. You know that that are are maybe working on um, mental illness. You know uh, there are people who aren't operating in society not because they don't want to, but because they they're ill, and we're not treating it. 
you know, there's no reason you have to have free will to see that there's a responsibility that we have to fix that. That is no longer being pragmatic. Now I'm approaching it and going, no, I don't feel justified in saying that we have free will because I just, I'm not convinced of it. And society should still function given that there is a model for that. You just needed to take the fucking time and quit being lazy. Yeah, letting the evidence take you where where it takes you. Uh, this is interesting to me. We could talk about this for hours and hours offline. <laughs> so when I was uh, when I was in law school years ago, um, the school that I went to is uh, Fordham University. For for that, um, they had the at the time it was the first law and neuroscience uh, program in the United States, and this was actually what I what I was focused on in, in terms of my own like writing and research uh, as a, a law student was this intersection of neuroscience and the ethics of sentencing policy. Um, so this, I, I mean, I agree with everything that you said there. Uh, it's, um, again, it's oh, very, good, good. It's, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I mean, for what it's worth, I, you know, it's, um, it's sort of baffling that we continue with the system that we have, um, given things like recidivism rates, you can see that the system is failing people who, who go through it. Um, but it's, a, it's another topic for another day. Um, running short on time, I wanted to ask you, oh, um, uh, and we've, we've touched on this, but if you're talking to somebody who doesn't see the value in, in having sound epistemology, mm -hmm. um, how do you think that we should communicate uh, the importance of proportioning your beliefs to the evidence of you know, waiting until after you have evidence to accept a claim as even being true. How do you, how do you think uh, we should go about communicating that to people? Show them. Mm. Live it. Um, and that is a very bitter pill for a lot of people. A lot of people want something that they can just snap their fingers and their uncle right. stops being, you know, a bigot or whatever. That's yeah. not how that works. Um, but what you can do is live your life openly and honestly if it's safe to do so. And in doing so, be a model for it. Um, I had a religious friend in California before I moved out here who... I don't know was a very scary proposition. You don't ever want to say you don't know because that's bad. And so I recognized, hey, I should start saying it more often. And every chance I got, when I realized that I was completely dumbfounded, I would be like, I don't know this. Let's learn. You know, would you help me explore this or whatever? I don't know. And eventually one day we were having a conversation about religion and I asked him, would you be happy in heaven if you knew that I was suffering in hell? And he stopped and he went, I don't know. That would not have happened if I hadn't been modeling that that's okay to do that. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's it. I don't know is the crack in the armor. Isn't it? That's, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so big. I mean, there's, there's power and I don't know. Yeah. And, 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 and I, Go ahead. Oh, I, I used to say it all the time. I, I think that, and I still believe it's true. I think that the most intellectually honest thing that you can say is I don't know because there is a, there's this social cost to it. You know, we, mm. we punish each other for, for I don't know. You raise your hand in class and you get the question wrong. 
you know, you could get made fun of versus not asking the question at all because you don't want to appear as if you don't know, right? We're, we're trained to be that way. Right, right. Especially in our, in our current sort of information economy, there's a race to be first with the, uh, with the correct take on any given topic. Um, but yeah. first isn't always best. And, and once you think you're certain about something, you stop asking questions. It's a dangerous place to be. Agreed. Yeah. Well, gosh, Eric, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate <laughs> you coming on. I, I, I hope you had fun. I, I definitely did. Um, yeah. Where can people find you? Where should people be looking for your, your work? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I led this conversation to field. Uh, this got really, really, inter- and I just, no, I just kind of took us off. what we're here for. Uh, I, yeah. But this was a lot of fun. Um, I'd love to talk to you again. Uh, my name is Eric Murphy. You can look me up on YouTube by going to ericdmurphy.com. Uh, you can find I am the primary host of Talk Heathen, which is a production of the Atheist Community of Austin. I have a whole bunch of other projects that I hope to get up off the ground, but if you want to find me right now, definitely check those two out. Um, you can also find me at Dirty Heathen on Twitter, um, and uh, or is it Eric the Heathen? I have so many of them. I I, I will give you the links. Um, but uh, thank you, thank you yeah. for having me and, on, man. And, I wish you uh, the Patreon? best. Patreon? Patreon? Oh, holy crap! Please, we're gonna yes. put links in. We're gonna put links in the, the Patreon.com/slash Eric Murphy. I want to. I want to be a full-time communicator. I want to do this for a living, and I am far from it. So, if you like what I do and you want to help support me in putting out content uh patreon.com slash eric murphy that's patreon.com slash eric murphy please yep yep appreciate that Ken. Yeah, thank we'll, you we'll, we'll, we'll have the links uh you know down below um i want to thank ethan michael for all of his help uh, especially on the technical side because i'm a, a a caveman who doesn't know how to do computers uh i want to thank jenna belk for being so encouraging in in, in uh, me doing this stuff uh and best name ever for uh just being the mod of all mods and uh and being uh, a friend and a, a constant source of encouragement with, with getting this off the ground. So uh, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, Eric, thanks again. Hey, thank you. Sounds like you have a dream team, man. I can't wait to see what you put on. I'm out. a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy. Awesome. <laughs> thanks. Bye.